Hello, welcome to the third and final episode of Dragonfire for the latest Perpetual Outsider commentary. Um, this is me, John Bensali, is saying hello. Uh, glad you could join me. Um, just a quick mention that I am on uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash John Bensalia. If you want to uh, drop any pennies in there, it would be greatly appreciated. But anyway, let's get on with all this, uh, move away from all this begging. Get on with the episode, counting down in five, four, three, two, one, go. Bit slower off the mark that time, never mind. So the story so far, um, the Doctor... Mel, Ace and Blitz have met the friendly dragon who is uh, revealed to be guarding the eponymous dragonfire. But the uh, the bad news for them is that Kane actually uh, can hear everything that's going on. And he knows where the dragon is and is um, claiming that the dragonfire will be his. So whether or not that plan comes to fruition, well, we'll just have to find out in this episode. I don't know. Dragonfire Part Three. I think, I, yeah, I, I think I watched this one when it went. Yes, I did. I did watch this one when it went out. I remember because uh, um, kids were talking about it the next day in school with uh, a certain character demise. So here's the reprise, which is um, they they re-recorded the um, the cane bit. This is a different tape because it's slightly slightly less. Kind of, I suppose, manic. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's easily a different take, and you don't, you don't get the full close-up as well. They very rarely do that in eighties Doctor Who. They actually use the original take of the uh, previous cliffhanger. Oh, Mister Robson's about to get so something more to do. So Kane is instructing. Um, I think, I think, is it McLuhan is the female um, minion of Kane, and I think the Mr. Robson character, I think he's called Basin, Basin, I don't know. Maybe his first name's Pudding, I don't know. Something not right. Yeah, that cliffhanger in part, part one wasn't right. Yeah, all this mystery about pro ammo. Yeah, you you would have thought that um, it it would have been really handy if Kane had like the internet with his fingertips to actually check that pro ammo was was still around. <laughs> Just do a quick Google search of uh, oh bugger, pro ammo's not there anymore. Um, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a McGuffin there. You, you would have thought he actually could actually be bothered to check it out first of all. You, Kind of makes you wonder why he didn't. But never mind. Obviously, they 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 don't get very good internet signal in uh, on Ice World. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 heard of uh, the internet signal freezing, but you know that's taking it to extremes. This is quite an unusual pairing. It's um, it's the woman who's actually tougher than the bloke out of these two. McLuhan is, you know, this quite butch, take no prisons kind of uh, officer, and she obviously doesn't really like um, Basin very much. Basin, I don't know. Just call him Pudu. Yeah, I, I, I like the music that um, Dominic Glynn that kind of 
you know, very 80s kind of synthesizer there, but it, it, it works really well. God. <laughs> yeah, Stuart Organ does well to actually um, make what's probably a very lightweight prop gun actually seem quite heavy. It actually buckles under the pressure from when she threw it to him. Yeah, he's, he, he's already getting scared out of his wits at actually having to hunt the dragon, you know. I, I think he, he'd be uh, much happier just, you know, kind of like doing office work, you know. He probably just does uh, Kane's accounts or something. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one because um, I, su I suppose it's economy of um, storytelling, isn't it? Because um, uh, Krakow's been bumped off. Um, Bellage has been bumped off. It's, it's a shame, actually. I think she... Uh, she should have stuck around for the uh, for the third episode because you know Patricia Quinn was yeah quite quite high profile you know she done Rocky Horror oh god Rocky Horror I still have nightmares about me being at university in the um, in the accommodation there and uh, the, uh, the the girl above me was a massive Rocky Horror fan and she would just play the bloody soundtrack on a loop until um, until I just wanted to chop off my ears actually. Oh, Kane's doing his big uh, spiel, wanting his mercenaries to spread fear and terror throughout the ice world, <clears throat> driving all onto the Nosferatu. I, th I think he's got a kind of plan to, to deal with all that. But he never got me some grain chill, Mr. Robson. Yeah, of course it was. A, it was. These were a lot shorter seasons by now. I mean, you used to get um about twenty four, twenty six episodes. I think it's twenty six episodes in in a season. But by now it was it was just down to fourteen, which was um, part of a BBC's plan of um, cutting down on Doctor Who. Really. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, it's a Megan F man to actually do that. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just I, I don't think the powers that we really wanted Doctor Who by this point, which is which is just stupid. You know, like like I said before, you know, you don't you don't reduce TV channels to suit your own wants. You know, you do it to you know you do it for a general audience. You make programs for a general audience, not because you like or dislike a program. I mean, it's it's stupid. But you know, I mean. No, I suppose no program pro program is indispensable at the at, you know at the time of recording. You know, Neighbours is about to get the chop. That's been about thirty seven years. There's only about two more weeks left of that. Um, Holby has gone the way of the dodo. That was on for quite a long time. So no program is safe really. Oh god, here we go. Is that massacre? That barman is just that is like the most lame reaction ever. I mean, he just, you know, it's like somebody just, like, fired a pea shooter at him. He just goes, oh, <laughs> it's just a bit, of a, lazy, bit of a lazy massacre, really. I mean, that, that guy showed absolutely no emotion whatsoever. I think his, his name is, no, I'm not sure what his character's name is. Um, I, I think he does, I think he does get one, the bar. I, I, I just call him bar. <clears throat> oh, we're on the hammer. Yeah, the pace is picking up a bit. This is, you know, 
this is where the uh, the action unfolds and i think so you know rushing to the climax the grizzly one at that oh the statue's just gone now but yeah if, if there's one criticism it's this kid here i mean what is the point of her i mean she's the dress is just um just not right um she looks like a reject from the mini pops but i mean what does she actually do i mean it, it just doesn't really kind of her story never really really goes anywhere i think she's called stella i mean she just kind of mooches around with her teddy bear and just gets lost and um yeah maybe maybe a bit too much time is wasted on that on that story it's just very strange <clears throat> yeah miranda borman playing i think she would have been six years old I wonder if she looks back on this now and uh, has, has a good old chuckle. Oh, never mind. There's a dragon to save you, Stella. <clears throat> well, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly one, uh, one trip that Stella won't forget. I, I think in the book, I think her Teddy's called Mini Me or something. I'm, I'm not sure if, if if that's what it's called, but I, th I think she um, she you know she describes it as kind of like a, you know an adventure of a lifetime or something. I think. I love the way she just says, bye bye to the dragon like it's, <clears throat> like, you know, like it's like, um, you know, you get in when you go to, I mean, I've, I've, you know, when you go to like a, a kid's birthday party and there's somebody dressed up as a cartoon character or something, and they walk around in one of those giant suits. It's a little bit like that, actually, you know, you sort of expect him to take his, uh, <clears throat> the, the dragon head off and um, just sort of sit down for a quiet breather, you know, in between entertaining and uh, firing at, Teachers from Grange Hill. God, how did that kid not get overpowered by all that dry ice? Again, health and safety would uh, clap down on that sort of thing these days. <clears throat> so everyone's been driven onto the Nosferatu. And again, um, some good model work here, actually. Of course, uh, poor Obvious has been left behind. Yeah, that's 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 a good model shot. I, I think it's uh, I, I think it holds up very well. <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and of course, Kane uh, knows how to deal with all them living up to his real baddie status here. Just the way he just casually presses the button and it just lots of variety goes up in flames. I mean, uh, of course, he gives a smug look smile here as well. I wish he'd done like um, Glitz there. I wish he'd done like kind of uh, William Shatner had done in, in the rough and kind of went, Cain! <laughs> that. And you know, the, you know the, the cries of Cain would have echoed around <clears throat> Ice World. That's one of the few times we get to see the TARDIS in the uh, Seventh Doctor's era. Not that many TARDIS scenes by this point. They were still using the uh, 
the one that was introduced in The Five Doctors. And they feature it in The Greatest Show. And I think that was the last time proper. I mean, you'd have one in Battlefield, but all by now, they um, all they had was a TARDIS console. So they got like one of those kind of like TARDIS tents that they used to have on like Saturday Superstore. And they kind of filmed it in that, you know, this very obviously, you know, fake, you know, kind of tent like backdrop because they dimmed the lights and, um, and that just looked really naff. But that was the, you know, the last time we saw it. Yeah, you would have thought that the um, the Shoe and Taylor char character, you would have thought um, she would be a little bit more panicked that, uh, you know, that her daughter's gone missing. You know, she's just like, oh, if you see my daughter, yeah, just give me a, let me know, bye. You know, especially since there's, you know, all, <clears throat> you know, all hell breaking loose on Ice World. You know, there's massacres, there's spaceships blowing up, and she's just kind of reacted like um, Stella's just gone to the local crash. You know, I mean, it's uh, a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more panic needed there, I think. Oh, I mean, I've, I've talked over the poor old dragon's death. Poor old dragon. Didn't deserve that. And of course, now they cut off his head as well to add insult to injury. <clears throat> A good bit of uh, heavy lifting acting here. Yeah, she, yeah. I think it's Stephanie Thayer, I think, plays McGraw. And she gives her, you know, sort of a real kind of <clears throat> grunt there, which is, which is good. And of course, one last nasty surprise for them is uh, the Dragonfire Treasure is a mind of its own and kills them. And body count really kind of piling up now. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a typical teenager's bedroom. I think mine was even more untidy than that. Yeah, the doctor's the only one who remembers that he's actually walking along an you know an icy uh, an icy path. All the others are just walking on, walking like it's polystyrene, which uh, which I suppose it is really. <clears throat> There's that model shot. They're getting their money's worth with the model shots. <clears throat> yeah, it was reviewed on open air, I think, the next day, which was this awful kind of panel show, you know, sort of a, the equivalent of, I suppose, um, this morning or. Um, uh, oh, God, what's the one? Yeah, the, no, not the right stuff. No, the Jeremy Vine show. You know, this sort of kind of panel show and you have lots of uh, um, so-called experts coming on to contribute their threepence worth. And uh, I, think, I think Nina Mishkov was on the next day and she was none too complimentary about this, which, uh, which wasn't very nice. <clears throat> uh, so we're getting into the big showdown now with... Uh, Kane demanded the Dragonfire in return for uh, for Ace. Hurry while stocks last. Very good, very good joke coming up. Closing down sale. 
see, if only Kane had actually kind of um, put all that hatred and channeled all that angry energy into just running successful freezer center chain, you know, I mean, Icewell could have, you know, it really could have taken off throughout the galaxy, you know, stop off at Icewell in, you know, the outer reaches of Gasturbarus or whatever, and, you know, pick up your frozen groceries from there. He could have made a killing. But as it is, he just makes a killing of himself in a minute. Yeah, why, why did she put that teddy in there? This confrontation apparently um, took quite a, quite a long time to do because Sylvester McCoy and uh, Edward Peel kept um, kept corpsing. And I, I think, I, looking back looking back at this, I think you can see a few kind of... Uh, Try not to laugh moments in the eyes, you know, it's it's the eyes that give it away. <clears throat> but it's it's a good confrontation. God, he's tall. I mean, uh, yeah, quite these Edward Peel's nose has been taller than the others. I think Sylvester McCoy, I think he's about five foot six. It's actually quite refreshing to have a doctor who's not over six foot tall. Says uh says this midget who is only five foot nine inches tall. Yeah, these days everybody wants us to be over six feet tall, don't they? Yeah, it's it's a shame the Doctor and Kane didn't really kind of get more scenes together. I mean, they only really get this kind of big showdown at the end, and uh, and that's your lot because you know it's it's a very good scene, I think. Especially considering they were both trying not to laugh. Yeah, he looks like he's trying not to laugh. <laughs> Edward Peel does. <clears throat> You girl. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a nice moment on the, the documentary, or is it the commentary? I'm not sure. It's either on the commentary or the documentary. And um, Edward Peel says he let he let his grandkids watch it until the um, of course the the moment when his character steps into the sun, which um, I, I can't really imagine him enjoying very much. Might have been a bit of a shock to see Grandad's face melting off. Yeah, a little, little bit like a TARDIS console, that isn't it? I mean, he's uh, <clears throat> he's he's even got like panels on the walls, except they're square rather than round, and you know that just looks like the you know the TARDIS console. So um, just when Kane thinks he's uh, he's won the day, of course he doesn't, and that's uh, another good looking shot there. Oh, and it's a spacecraft. No kidding. <clears throat> of course, we're coming up to this uh, brilliant special effects, which um, I'm not sure whether it's included on in the, the extended cut of the Blu-ray. I know, I, I think it's, it's included somewhere, but you get to see the whole of Kane's face melting off. And... If you thought that the sequence on the DVD, on the original broadcast was pretty nasty, <laughs> the one on the uh, the one on the DVD, on the, the one on the Blu-ray is even worse. <laughs> you know, you get these eyeballs, and you know, one of one of them plops out, and it's uh, gah. Yeah, like I said before, you you would have thought that Kane would have actually bothered to check that Pro Ammon was still around. You know, he's too late for his revenge, so he um, just steps into the sun. Doctor gets a, quite a kick out saying that, actually. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, maybe not a very good idea, but 
It's like a pill or something. Oh, I mean, that, that's still pretty great. <laughs> Excellent special effects. I mean, you know, considering that they didn't really have much time and money to actually pull off a, you know, pull off a successful special effect. I think they did superbly well with that. And it just looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, they were talking about it the next day at school. So obviously um, it made quite an impression. Great, great stuff. So we're on to um, final scene, leaving scene of uh, Men and the Doctor. Sorry, the, the software just froze again, but it's started up again now, thank God. Yeah, it's it's kind of ironic that Mel didn't really get a very good, well, she didn't get any introductory scene, but she gets a really good leaving scene. I mean, it's it's quite a, quite a sweet farewell. It's... Uh, Yeah, you know, really nice leaving scene. <clears throat> Again, it's you know the, the melancholy doctor. You know he's uh, you know think of me as the, the homeless traveller. You know his days like crazy paving. I, I think that's a really good line. And Bonnie, Bonnie Langford plays it really well, and she actually looks quite genuinely, uh, quite genuinely upset actually. Yeah, I, I like the way she sort of subtly hangs on to the, the Doctor's scarf. So she's off with glitz. I mean, I'm not really quite sure that's a match made in heaven. <laughs> but I mean, if you believe the Blu-ray uh, promo, then she obviously went on to become a successful business woman. And um, maybe she... Started her own business with this. Yeah, she just, yeah she looks like she's gulping back a tear there. She just sort of wipes her nose and uh, sort of sniffs. Yeah, I think she's uh, yeah, a little bit. I don't know, which is um, yeah. I mean, she's only been working on there for about you know maybe less than a year actually. Maybe a year. Yeah, probably about a year I think. But uh, obviously, she really enjoyed it. I, I like that. I like the you know the tapping nose that the doctor gives. And of course, we now say hello to Ace. And again, I, I, I really like the uh, the kind of welcome aboard scene. Sophie Aldred, you know, probably getting the job job of her dreams there. Yeah, she used to present um, a kids show called Callers at the time. She used to do quite a few other kids shows. I think she went on went on to present Words and Pictures, and uh, also did was it Melvin and Maureen's Musicograms or something. But yeah, I mean, she's yeah, she's got the job of her dreams, and I think it shows on her on her face there. So the the mother actually finds Stella. She's like, um, "There you are. Where have you been? Oh, come along. You know, oh, never mind. You know, just um, you know, there's been a bad homicidal lunatic nearly blowing everyone up, and uh, but hey, never mind. I wonder if she didn't notice that actually the uh, the spacecraft took off. Well, she probably just took it in her stride. Never mind." So that is goodbye to Mel, goodbye to Glitz, goodbye to Kane, etc., etc. 
and goodbye to Dragonfire, which is a which is a good story. I, I think it's um, it's an enjoyable story. It's an enjoyable romp. You know, there are there are issues, but you know, as as with life, nothing is perfect, is it? But um, yeah, I, I, I can understand why it won the um, because Doctor Who magazine used to run the season poll. Uh, of uh, which, which was their favourite story of the season, and you know I can understand why this one was chosen because it you know it does have some uh, good Doctor Who elements, you know a very good cast, especially Edward Peel and uh, Patricia Quinn, great effects of course you know with Kane's face melting, brilliant superb effect that, and overall the story just runs along well. It's it's a good story. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the commentary. I'll be back soon for more commentaries. Um, but in the meantime, have a nice day. And this is me, John Bensalia, saying goodbye for now.